The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to that wonderful queue that I apparently missed somehow. But um, hey, we're in a series called Counting Chickens, and uh, it sounds like kind of an absurd title, but there's a phrase that goes like this, most of us know, is don't count your chickens before they hatch. And it's really a phrase that, that challenges us in our anticipation. And I'll talk a little more about that in a moment, but I want to talk a little bit today about anticipation. If you're looking for a spot in Scripture that we're going to land, you can turn your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. If you've got a smartphone with a Bible app, you can go there. Of course, if you're watching on a screen at home, um, you, can, you can maybe turn the pages of your Scriptures or even on your computer screen, um, look that up. But um, all of us anticipate all kinds of different things. Um, for instance, you know, we, we might anticipate a vacation coming up this summer, or we anticipate the purchase of a car or a home, or we anticipate meeting that right person, and then eventually we anticipate marrying that right person. We anticipate uh, going on a date with our spouse. I know that's something I always look forward to uh, with a sense of anticipation. Graduating high school, or once the brownies are cool enough to eat so they don't destroy your mouth. We anticipate all kinds of of things, but sometimes what we anticipate and what we should anticipate are not the same thing. Sometimes that person that we find isn't really a good fit for us, but we go for it anyway because we anticipate a relationship without more specifics about what that relationship should entail. Or we anticipate the purchase of a vehicle, and so we get the vehicle only to realize, man, we took a bigger step than we should have, and that payment is much higher than we wish it was or what's comfortable um, for us in the state that we're living in. Currently, or we look forward to the vacation, but it's an all guys vacation and it's to Vegas with a bunch of guys that, that you're not quite sure about. And that phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas is something that keeps getting joked about. And you know that what you're anticipating is probably not a really good thing. The key point is this. There is a big difference between anticipation and Christ-centered anticipation. If you're taking notes, I encourage you just to write that down. It's a basic idea, but I want you to write that down. There's a key difference between anticipation and Christ-centered anticipation. How much, that, that, how much that we anticipate comes from the lens of faith in Christ? In other words, through my lens of faith, what do I believe should happen in my life? So, so for some people, you think of like, man, my goal, you know, my goal for money, I want to get a lot of money. While God's goal for money is that we can have resources to be generous. My goal for kids or the individual's goal for kids is I want to raise responsible kids. But through the lens of Christ-centered anticipation, I want to raise kids who look at their life through the lens of their faith in Christ and have a passion to shine that light. I think of you know, our goal for our time. I wanna, I wanna chill and I want more me time and I wanna go on way more vacations. And while at the same time, God's goal for our time is to relax, to enjoy ourselves, but also to share and invest our time in serving other people. Or marriage is another good one. Sometimes we think of our goal in marriage. I want someone who completes me. I want someone who fills all my voids and, 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 and makes me complete. While God's goal for marriage is simply to shape me into a vessel willing to offer my life for the life of another person. 
See, this series is called Counting Chickens, and like I said, you hear the phrase, don't count your chickens before they hatch, and it has everything about, uh, to do with um, not getting ahead of ourselves or, or you know, thinking that, that there's something that's a sure thing that isn't necessarily a sure thing, but what about when what we anticipate is the wrong thing? What about if it's not Christ-centered anticipation? As a pastor, I constantly am looking through the lens of what is God asking of us as the Grove Church? and there are all kinds of ambitions, things that we can anticipate that aren't necessarily Christ-centered, which is why I'm always praying, God, you be the head. Lord, you be what guides us. God, give us your wisdom, especially in a day like today where the climate of our world is so polarized, where things feel so tense and challenging. And and so for me, I think through the lens of Christ-centered anticipation, what is it that I anticipate as a pastor at the Grove Church? I anticipate a bright church that always looks for the ability to shine the love of Christ to our world. I look for a baptizing church that is constantly hearing stories of life change happening within our body, the body of Christ. I look for and anticipate a bold church that has a reputation for laying down our own comfort, for laying down what we want, for laying down our lens of of what we desire for the sake of the message of the gospel, for the love of Jesus, that this world would know it more than it ever has. I look for, I anticipate a praying church that refuses to give up on asking God for the salvation of the people that we love, the communities that we care so deeply about, a praying church. I anticipate a life-giving church that is continually filled with a spirit of celebration that isn't swayed by the darkness, that that isn't given to the depression and hopelessness and, and sense that our world at times feels, but instead chooses to celebrate God's grace and goodness because that's always a reason to celebrate. I anticipate a compelling church that is so filled with love and hope, and joy, and life, that those that are walking in darkness, those that are apart from Jesus, want to come, want to be a part, that they're the ones going, what is it about you? What is it about Grove? What is it about the people there? There's such a life and a joy. How do I get that? I anticipate through the lens of faith in Christ, that there is incredible opportunity to make a difference in the world that we live in rather than circling the wagons to play it safe all the time. I anticipate a gospel-centered church that puts their hope in Jesus Christ and not in a political agenda or in a pop culture or in the safety, as I said, of circling the wagons. That's what I anticipate as a follower of Jesus. But why is this conversation so important? It's so important because for you and I that have heard the message of Jesus, we understand that what it means is that God loved you and I so much that Jesus went in obedience to the cross to pay the price for your sin and my sin, for your mistakes and my mistakes, for that sin that separates us from God. And so Jesus paid the price that that we could be forgiven and that relationship could be renewed. That's the first and most important thing. And if you haven't yet offered your life to faith in Christ, I would encourage you that God's love would compel you, his spirit would move in you to to bring you to a place today of surrender, of praying and saying, God, come into my world, forgive me for my sin. I believe you love me enough to pay that price. It's the most important decision you could ever make. 
But the second part that, that, that doesn't go without saying in the message of the gospel, which means good news, is, is, is that God has, has offered us life, not just for eternity, but every day that we live here on this earth. Once sin is dealt with, he gives me a life of purpose. When I believe in Jesus, invite him to be my savior, he gives me hope for eternity, but he gives me hope for everyday living. And when we talk about anticipation, the word hope goes right along with it. Somebody once said, anticipation and hope are born twins. They're meant to go together. The idea that we look forward, we hope for something in our world. We hope for something in our future. We're not just here to exist and spend our days until our heart stops beating and we get to eternity, we get to the prize of heaven. But there's something about what God has done that you and I can have life every single day, my life as a living sacrifice for him. See, when Paul wrote to Titus, he was writing to his son in the faith. And when Paul wrote to Titus, he was writing to the next generation of leadership in the church. And in Titus chapter two, verse 11, it says this, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And that's what I was just talking about. But in verse 12, it says this, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of, of, uh, of excuse me, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. See, Paul says to Titus, his son in the faith, salvation has come, salvation is here, but it's not just the hope for what's coming, it's that you would live upright, it's that you would live a godly life, it's that you would be eager to do good things. Why does that matter? Because there's a world watching. And one of the things that pains me in the world that we live in today is churches that are saying, here's what I'm allowed to, here's my right, here's what I get to do because that's what we are and who we are as opposed to what does it look like to shine the light of Christ into our world that doesn't understand faith. And if, the, if all the church does is look like another group that, 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 that is swayed by the, the winds of, of you know, this political agenda or that pop culture thing and doesn't stand on the gospel, then as the world looks on, it becomes about me, myself, and I and what I want rather than what does it look like for me to give up my own like Jesus did in order that this world might see the light of Christ by the sacrifices we're willing to make. Paul also told the church at Corinth, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. It says this, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised to life again. The important thing here is that when you hear verses like this, it's not a have to. It's not a, well, I gave my life to Jesus, now I have to go do these things. It's a want to. It's understanding that if we believe there is a God who's so amazing and knows the end from the beginning is all powerful, and he loved me enough to make a way through Jesus that I can find forgiveness, 
then wouldn't I also believe that same God has the best in mind for the days I have to live on this planet? Wouldn't I believe that there's a God who cares enough that, that, that he's made a way that I could have life abundantly every single day? What are his great and precious promises? What are the good gifts our God wants to give? What is it that, that offers us this grace and mercy that we can enjoy our lives shining, hopefully, the light of Jesus Christ? See, whatever it is in our world that you and I anticipate, what about looking through the lens of Christ-centered anticipation? Not just that I wanna do that and I wanna become that and I wanna achieve that and I wanna get to that point. Fine with those things, but what about Christ-centered anticipation? See, it was David who was described as a man after God's own heart. And in Psalm 27, he says one thing, I ask from the Lord, this single thing do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. David had this passion for God where he got to a point where, Lord, there's one thing that matters to me. There's one focus I have. I want your presence in my life more than any other thing. The sons of Korah, who also wrote some of the Psalms. In Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2, as a deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul pants for you. That seems like such a weird phrase. We hear the, this idea of pants and we think of a dog. <laughs> but what about you and I desiring God so much that we thirst? for God's presence. We thirst for his way in our lives. We thirst to become all that he wants in our lives. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Have you ever anticipated meeting with God? Even today as, as, as the band, which by the way, man, they did such a great job. I love our, our worship team and the crew that's part of making this happen. Because I think of in those moments, do we, do we come in anticipating? Do we join in, maybe log in, anticipating that as we sing certain words in, in these songs, that there's a God who meets with us. There's a God who wants to transform us. There's a God who wants to lighten our burdens. There's a God who wants to whisper through his spirit, encouragement, grace, love, steer your life as you enter into a place of worship. See, there's something amazing about believing that, but have you ever anticipated meeting with God? Have you ever anticipated maturing, growing in your faith? Have you ever anticipated as you've become faithful at reading scripture that God is gonna transform you, that God is gonna enlighten you, that God is gonna give you greater discernment, that God is gonna do something in your heart to, to deal with resentment, to deal with unforgiveness, to deal with hurt and pain and, and all the burdens that we bear. Have you ever anticipated that as you and I meet with God in scripture and worship and prayer, that we're being transformed, that God is doing a work in our lives? Or are we just going through the motions? Well, I mean, the pastor keeps saying it, so I probably should read. Well, the pastor keeps saying I should probably show up, so here I am. Well, the pastor keeps you know, challenging me or making me feel guilty for not doing this, so I better do it. See, the idea isn't that I'm trying to, to, to prod you in a way that makes you live in guilt. 
It's realizing that we have a God who loves us so much that he made a way through Jesus that we can enjoy eternity, but we can also see God work in the everyday lives that we live. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you get to the core of, of, of Hebrews eleven six, it's this idea of us anticipating God working. It's when he talks about to the disciples, he says, oh, you of little faith. He's challenging them to believe, to anticipate that when they pray, God will move, that when they fast, God will move, that, that when they walk in obedience, God will meet them where they're at. They're not just going through the motions. There's something about the anticipation in them believing that God is working as they walk in obedience. See, at the end of the day, anticipation precedes transformation. That you and I anticipate as we walk in obedience that God is changing us. I love how for many of us, we can look back and maybe it's only been a year. Maybe it's been two years or five years or maybe it's been 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years of walking in Christ. But it's so fun at times to look back and see how God has set us free how God has given us that greater discernment, how God dealt in that area of unforgiveness, how God moved in that, that, that place where we needed deliverance. And it's so fun to look back and see what God has done. But the beauty of remembering all that God has done is that the same God who, who transformed us back then is working now to continue to transform us on this journey of living for Christ, this journey of maturity. If we read scripture without anticipating what it can do, then, then I think that it's much, much less likely to do what it's meant to. If we pray without faith, but because, well, I just, I'm, I'm supposed to do this, my concern is that we don't, we don't look forward to what's going to change because we've asked God about it. I love how, again, he talks to the disciples. He says, you have little faith, but he also says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you anticipate, well, I mean, man, it seems like God could do this. I'm gonna ask. It seems like God could do this, so I'm gonna step out. It seems like God can do this, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna believe as I take action. Where God meets us can be amazing. You know, this, this weekend is, you know, MLK, Tomorrow's MLK Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and, and we celebrate that day. And I think back to what happened in, gosh, was it 1963, the I Have a Dream speech? And there, Martin Luther King Jr. was at the Capitol, and hundreds of thousands of people had gathered. And as he stood up and he began to share this dream of what he anticipated, and how proud I feel decades and decades, what is it, 50, 60 some years later, 58 years later, something like that. That I look at all that's happened and while he was, of course, assassinated, even still that speech rings in our ears and we've seen so much come to pass already. And yes, there's still quite a ways to go, but I think about for a man to stand uh, you know, at the Capitol and, and, and share the I have a dream that there can be equality, going back to our founding documents, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
that, that that meant for everybody. And he challenged the establishment to say, it's not just for one group. It's not just for a few people. It's not just for the elites. The I have a dream speech is meant to be for everybody and for you and I this weekend to stop and realize the power of a man who would stand up and share a dream like that only to realize that we're still part of the fulfillment. It was anticipation. I have, a, I anticipate what could be. And for him, it was a Christ-centered anticipation. There should be equality. Even Paul says, in Christ, there is neither male nor female, slave nor free, Jew nor Greek. We're all one in Christ. And I think of for you and I, what does it look like to have a Christ-centered anticipation in our lives? To desire so deeply those things that God wants for our heart to begin to more and more match the heart of our Savior, Jesus. What does it look like for you and I? You could say don't count your chickens before they hatch. Don't, don't rest your bet on, on something that maybe isn't a sure thing. But for a second to stop and think, what if I'm anticipating the wrong chickens? What if I'm hoping for the wrong things? What if my heart isn't maybe where it needs to be? And for you and I to stop and process. As we walk through this series, as we enter a new year, now a few weeks in, what does it look like in 2021 to have Christ-centered anticipation? to hold on to a hope that in the midst of a tough, tough world refuses to give up on the gospel of Christ, the anchor of our souls, the rock of our salvation. My prayer for me and my prayer for you is that as we enter this year, we're asking ourselves, where is my Christ-centered anticipation? How am I growing in my faith? What's changing in me? How am I being transformed because of my lens of faith in Jesus Christ and the life he gives me every single day? Let's pray. Jesus, I'm so thankful for your great love for us. That you went to a cross and paid a price so that we could be forgiven. And I pray we would never forget that. But on top of remembering that fact, I pray that there would be something in every one of us that we're feeling stretched, we're feeling pulled, we're feeling compelled by your spirit to consider what is it in my world that's a Christ-centered anticipation? How do I use the way that I'm wired, my personality, the gifts God has given me for your glory? How do I leverage the resources I have to live generously toward others? How do I spend my time in a way that isn't simply about me? What do I do with the kids I'm raising that they're not just responsible adults, but they're thinking through the lens of faith and shining the light into this world. God help us have a Christ-centered anticipation that as we wait for whatever those chickens that are gonna hatch are gonna hatch, that in the meantime, is it the right anticipation? God, I pray for your spirit to continue to work in every single one of us that we're willing to ask the challenging questions. God, thank you for the grace, the hope, and the love 
that you provide all the time, that we want to live anchored to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.